And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right. Partnerships exist in all shapes and forms. You have business partnerships. You have business partnerships where you don't own the company with someone, but you partner with another company. Some strategic types of partnerships, they're all over the place. Really, in the end, it's about people doing business with each other. That's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. That said, and talking about doing business with people, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Chatdesk. Does your business receive a high volume of phone? calls. You can deflect over 10% of your phone calls to Facebook Messenger and save up to 80% on your support costs when you use ChatDesk. They have a limited time special offer for Startup Hustle listeners, meaning it's free for a limited amount of time. Learn more at chatdesk.com. Go to chatdesk.com forward slash shift to see some of their, their new and awesome benefits and features that they have. And there is a link in the show notes for that. With me today, I've got David Voorhees. David is the founder and CEO of True Captive Insurance. You can learn more about True Captive by going to truecaptive.com. Straight out of Overland Park, Kansas. David, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this because I uh, I love I love partnerships, man. I love doing business with people. I love talking to people. And, you know, before we get into that, let's, uh, let's, let's build a solid foundation for today's episode with a little information about your backstory. I'd be happy to. So I spent about two decades working in HR and operations. And what I didn't really understand about the wonderful world of HR, because it's got plenty of trick treats and tricks is all the exposure you get to different departments, different people, uh, different operating procedures, different ways of working. And with that experience, spent a great deal of time honing and building self-funded healthcare plans and uh, became in love and infatuated with trying to trend down the cost of healthcare. My grandfather, a general practitioner, uh, World War II doc, took me on house calls when I was a young boy. And so naturally, all of this was about becoming uh, a practitioner inside of healthcare where we could make healthcare personal again, insurance not complicated. So we built True Captive uh, as a captive insurance carrier in the country. We are one of the fastest captives growing in the country right now as a way to help the small to medium sized businesses that we were. We were the operators. So I'm proud to say we're the only insurance company in the country that invests its own capital in our membership. Uh, and we have a lot of great partners out there that we've learned to find the best in breed and work together and share creative magic to create a, a world-class experience for our customers. So tell me, when it comes to strategic partnerships, I mean, what, what comes to mind when you think, when you use that phrase? So I think of strategic partnerships like powerful partnerships. They're looking for a symbiotic relationship. A lot of times people look at 
uh, a relationship of, of one way. Someone's giving you something or, you, or you're getting something. Um, and when you think about strategic partnerships, you try to find people that have subject matter expertise or some skill that you don't have or something your business is missing and exchange you have the same thing. You have something that business is missing or that person. And together uh, you can build a better product, a better experience, create more value, whatever you want to assign to it. But that strategic uh, partnership, the nature of that is finding two quality individuals or two quality companies to share in each other's you know, expertise. Yeah, I think that's well said. And, you know, I'll add a, rather than just repeating what you said, I will add a little bit to that. I think that there's another uh, level of strategic partnerships, at least some of the ones that I've tried to create, you know, so many businesses have an excess capacity, meaning like they have something, man, it could be anything from ex extra office space to, or maybe they have a podcast like this one that reaches listeners in 190 countries, you have something often in excess that and you know, I love strategic partnerships where you can find some where someone else's excess is is really useful for you. And maybe what you your excess capacity is really useful for them. And those kind of those kind of partnerships can be really, really advantageous and really strategic because you begin to create some value out of something that you're like, oh, wow, what are we going to do with all this extra? So and, and that's the whole idea of strategy is, you know, being able to create something, man, try to make some sense out of it. All right. So when it comes to what you guys do at true captive, and once again, go to truecaptive.com to learn more about David's business. Like, so what kind what's, what type of uh, partnerships do you guys like, what's an example or give me a, give me a, a story about creating one or something. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when a typical consumer thinks of health insurance, they haven't been fully educated on all the different pieces that go into making that member experience. So if you've got a, a large uh, fully insured plan, you know, basically you have your card and you go to the doctor, they bill you and that's it. But behind the scenes, there are all these wonderful people that do a, a, a lot of things, a host of things to make that experience work. So there's what's called a TPA or third party administrator. They often don't get as much credit as they should, but they do the majority of the heavy lifting in a plan. They're processing and paying claims. They're looking at the plan design documents that tell you what all is covered, what's not covered, where you go. So the TPAs are an example of a, a relationship. Uh, PBM, which is Pharmacy Benefit Manager. So they do exactly what you might think by the term pharmacy. They're pulling all the RX, all the relationships with the manufacturers and the distributors and trying to create efficiency there. So again, another opportunity to partner with the best in breed I find what happens a lot of times with strategic partnerships is people that don't have them think they're really good at everything. And, and let me be honest, uh, nobody is good at everything. And that is something in business. And just in, in, as a human being, if you learn that you're not great at everything and start to work with people who have gifts in areas that you don't, you'll see yourself succeed much faster. Sorry, could you say that? Wow, who is that? Do we have a third yeah. guest today? Yeah, Siri. She's joining from Apple, Cupertino, uh, California. Hey, Siri, tell us what a strategic partnership is. Oh, Boy, that would be laugh. pretty funny, wouldn't it? You know what? That's a, and I, I'll call myself out because I, uh, I, I, I just happened to have my finger on, on the button that I could have mute as my phone was beginning to ring. So we are 
we are not always perfect here on the show. And like you said, people aren't perfect at everything. We're not good at every bit of at every bit that, you know, every bit of business, every approach, all of it that we might think we are want to be. And I agree. Anybody that thinks that they're great at everything is probably a clown at most of it, to be honest, because you know, there's a level of self-awareness. So, you know, when when we think about a strategic partnership, I mean, where, where what's the very first thing that are some of the first things that we should consider? Like I mentioned earlier, I like I like doing things that capitalize on excess capacity. I'm I'm here in our in full scale and startup hustles new office in Kansas City, Kansas, because I created a strategic partnership with a place that had an excess of, of office location. Right. And so with that, I've managed to help attract other people to move into the building. That was a strategic partnership. It worked out for me. It's working out for everyone else. And that's, you know, for me, that was a, you know, kind of like excess capacity. Where's where's an extra meat on the bone? What are some other things that anyone listening could examine? Yeah, I think it all starts with a need or a gap. You know, when you sit in a room, whether it's by yourself and you're thinking about what do I need to do, or you're sitting with your team, what what do we need to do, or you're sitting thinking about your company going, what is my company missing? The key is, is what can you use to fill the gap? And oftentimes you're left with two two thoughts is one, we do it ourselves. So we figure out a way to look at internally or myself or, or our team or is there someone out there that's doing a phenomenal job, whether it's I've seen them on the, the Startup Hustle part, podcast, is it I've met them somewhere, or a good friend of mine uh, is an evangelist for their services or business, and then really start to identify, is that an opportunity to, to work together? But it always starts with that need or that gap, and then what you decide to do with the need or gap. Yeah, so I, I agree. And so I'll give an example, uh, another example of a strategic partnership. So I'm the CEO and founder of FullScale, and we provide development services. So over the last couple of years, we've had a strategic partnership with Launch KC, which is a startup accelerator, startup accelerator here in Kansas City. And we give anybody in their cohort that gets in, we were giving them $10,000 of credit to use at our company. And that was something that we had, it, once again, that was excess capacity. I had people usually had people available and they needed some of that. And some of those people ended up becoming our clients. So that's an example, like you talk about a need, they had a need to try to help these businesses move forward. And with that, it's, it's really funny too, because at first when I, when I set up that partnership, they wanted to give a $5,000 credit. That's all they asked for. And I said, guys, I'm not even going to do that to you because there's not a whole lot you're going to get done that's effective. Like I'm actually doing you, I'm more of a distraction than a help at that point. So I, I think one of the things too is like you mentioned, like the, where, where, can, where are your gaps, but where are things the most mutually advantageous? Because I think if it's not a two-way street, I mean, what's the point? Right. right. Like eventually someone's going to get tired of it. Now, just so you, you everyone listening knows, like we actually have a full time director of strategic partnerships at our company. And that's that's that. And we explore all kinds of wild stuff. And some of it we do and some of it we don't do. But it definitely it definitely all ebbs and flows with need. Now, I mentioned the Launch KC partnership, but we actually didn't renew that 
this year because we couldn't because demand for our services has been so high. I also don't want to throw out that we'll be, hey, here's your credit. And then you're never able to use it because we are prioritizing or our existing clients or, you know, like we have a waiting list of people to come in. So I think it's also important to make sure that you can deliver on whatever you say it is, because that partnership is going to turn to turn to dust if you can't. Yeah, you nailed it there. And I think that that's a part of evaluating the partnership itself, because a lot of times when you ask somebody something or, or trying to work with them, acknowledging them as a subject matter expert, they want to help you. And you need to identify if they're capable of the bandwidth. And oftentimes people will bite off more than they can chew because they don't want to let people down. They don't want to put someone in a bad position. But very much like you said, the $5,000 versus the $10,000 credit, you were saying $5,000 won't work. $10,000 might be able to get you moving and get you understanding, but $5,000 is going to be a distraction. Or, look, I'd love to give you this credit, but right now we've got to prioritize our business. Um, and I don't want to set you up with the expectation that you'll have that service. So when you're looking at a partnership, it's making sure as much that what you're asking is reasonable, right? We all think everything we're asking is reasonable, but it's a two-way street. You've got to have that discussion and say, hey, look, this is what I need. Is this something that one is, is feasible? Can you do it? Um, and do you feel like what I'm asking for is too much? And you should be prepared to listen for the same thing. And that's where I was talking about the symbiotic relationship. It's really easy to get caught up with one person doing something for you. And it's, it's really helped you advance or it's helped you overcome this situation or, or, you know, beat down whatever was difficult for you to overcome. But that symbiotic side is what can I help you do or where can I fit in? And maybe it's not the tab right now that you pay, but it could be that IOU that you remember that somebody did help you and, and you need to reciprocate because there's nothing worse than a partnership feeling like it's one direction. Um, and that, you know, as much as we'd like to believe that we can let those things pass, um, we are humans, we are driven by behavior and that can lead to frustration and ultimately lead to you not showing up um, in the best way because you're sitting there frustrated that person's taking advantage of it, even though that might not be their intent, but that's your interpretation. So that two-way street communication is critical. In that situation, you're counterproductive. You're you're right. you're creating strategic partnerships to get your brand out there, to create new relationships, maybe just to improve things in the community. But if you don't deliver, you're literally going to create the opposite of what you wanted to do. Like it is, you are way better off to not even engage in any of these things than to get into the thing, get into any of it if you can't deliver, cause then you're just going to look bad. You're going to, you're trying to create some reputation, some, some cred and all of that. <laughs> and one way to destroy that is to, well, is to, well, not deliver, but also, you know, make it a pain in the ass, like all of it. So if you're not committed to it, don't do it. All right. So what's the best way to start a partnership then? It's, it's, cheesy it's cliche it's obvious though that's why it's cliche is it's, it's communication it's being able to clearly state what you need um, what you hope to get how how that person or that business or that service is going to help you you got to start there and if you can't clearly articulate what that is then you really need to spend time doing it because one, it's great for you to be able to express it, right? Like this, these are all the things I need to check off for this to work. But secondly, think about the person that is listening to the ask. If it's unclear, if it's gray, if it's, you know, something that just isn't succinct, 
that person may be left with an impression or idea of something that they need to go do and maybe they go execute it. And what if it's not what you thought? So now you're left in that position where you didn't communicate, someone's done some work or someone's put some effort into it um, and neither are getting anything out of it that you expected. So this, you know, they say good fences make good neighbors and in the vein of communication, good community, a good partnership is well-defined, you know, like kind of like what you're saying is what are the expectations? What are the deliverables? Uh, when, and, and look, oh man. So everyone wants to make agreements that always look at the sunny side of things. Mm -hmm. Don't look at both sides. What happens if it doesn't go well? You know, how, how do you sever it? How do you, and, and, you know, some of these things, I mean, we're talking about like, if you're, if your company's, if you're really committed to do something, then you should be committed to taking the time to outline it, to define it, to discuss it, to uh, decide who's going to manage it. And I mean, that's what I want to talk about next is how, how we do that. But, you know, if, if it's worth doing, then it's worth planning and it's worth writing down. There's so many people that'll tell you that, that, it's not real until you write it down. So, and it's just impossible to deliver or set any kind of expectations when you just spit in your hand and shake someone else's hand and don't do that right now, guys. That's no. not a good approach. Yeah. It's not, a, not, not the right way to do it. But that said that, you know, the, these are basic principles of business. So don't just look at the sunny side of things either. You got to look at like sunny day and rainy day makes a good agreement. And you know, it's the same way with insurance. You know, if you read, you actually read your policy, it it's going to do all that. I mean, that's that's just just law. All right. So when it comes to managing the partnerships, how do you manage or how do you suggest that people do it? I mentioned earlier, we actually have someone that's a director of strategic partnerships that that's what they do. So this is probably about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, but I had a director who had this saying at the time that I thought was really corny, but she was spot on, is clarity is the friend of accountability. So when you think about what you're looking at, how, how do you set this up for uh, a good outcome is, is being fundamentally clear about the expectations because then you can hold them accountable. So to give you an example, um, for us, and it's probably because of our background, right? We came from the company, but for us, the employee experience and the patient experience is the most important thing overall. Sounds weird for an insurance company to say, because an insurance company's job at its core level is to manage profit and loss because you've got premium and then you've got losses. We fundamentally believe that if you focus on the patient and the employee, the rest of this stuff takes care of itself. So we had a situation where one of our partners was doing a good job at the X's and O's. So transactionally, everything was going great. But from a claims perspective, they weren't following up and following through on the things that are important to the provider, the facility, all of these other things that go into healthcare that people who are consuming insurance don't think about, right? They just got the car, they go in, they pay, they're done. They don't think about who all has to get paid, how all the ins and outs work. Well, they weren't following through on this obligation. And subsequently then the provider calls the patient and says, hey, we haven't been paid. Well, the patient isn't prepared for that conversation. They, they held up their end of the bargain. They paid their copay and they went on. So what we had to do is behind the scenes, talk to our partner and say, look, 
before we go down this path of being really pissed off, because if you want to piss me off, mess up that patient or, or employee experience, before I go there, let me find out what was going on first. And we found out that they had a big backlog. They weren't prepared to be able to handle that backlog. And they were working on getting that done. They were a newer business. I understood that um, as starting a business myself. And so we went to work on how do we improve that experience? How can we help you do this? So the next time it comes around, this isn't a problem because if it comes around the next time, then yes, I'm going to be upset and I'm going to hold you accountable because we already went through the steps of if this happens again, here are the steps we're going to take. And if you don't follow them and we fail, now, now we're in trouble. So it's interesting that you mentioned that's customer support and client experience. So let's take a moment and recognize today's episode sponsor, Chatdesk. Many businesses receive a high volume of calls over the holidays, and Chatdesk helps companies reduce those calls by over 10% by deflecting those calls to messaging and self-service. And their client list includes companies like Vera Bradley, BarkBox, Thanks, and more. For a limited time, you can use Chatdesk for free. Learn more at chatdesk.com forward slash shift. I was actually on the phone with uh, you know Chatdesk on the way to creating our strategic partnership with them. And, you know, like the, it, the, that's all we were talking about is, you know, the so many businesses don't have the ability to support what they sell or they're not paying attention to it. And it is a terrible way to build a business. So uh, fortunately, companies like Chatdesk can once again go to chatdesk.com. There's a link in the show notes and they, they have scalable solutions, which I thought was really awesome. It was like gig economy for support help, meaning like there are people out there that are customer service agents that want to work in little bits and pieces on their own time. And uh, many of them have industry and experience. You can even try them out before you use them. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, okay. So one of the things that your company, you guys talk about, um, you know, this is a, just a little, a little shift from this, but you talk about making healthcare more personal to me, that sounds like a strategic, like a, a healthcare provider and insurance seller. Uh, you're creating a strategic partnership with two different sides. You obviously have a client and you have the insurance provider. So making that more personal and make, I think probably the biggest complaint people have about insurance is, is like you mentioned that user experience or it just being a pain in the butt, or maybe it doesn't feel personal. You know, like I always use the example of, I was I once worked at a company and I was, if I called into HR, I'd say, Hey, it's Matt DeCourcy. And they're like, yeah, well, what's your employee number? Okay. It's 0482. And I'll never forget that. Like I refer to that a lot. I'm like employee 0482. You know, and it's like, that is not personal. That is a way to make, that's like the opposite. It's like, okay, I know you told me your name, but you know, like what's your serial number? You know, so, so how do you guys, and I, I think it's a strategic partnership with your clients. It's almost what we full scale does with all of our clients. You know, it's like, we got to help them win. We got to make things better and easy for them. Otherwise the, the, the thrill is gone. So what, when you guys talk about making healthcare more personal, what does that mean? So one of the things that is like nails on a chalkboard with me and that people mean it as a compliment when they talk about our business is talk about us disrupting the healthcare market. I don't like that term because being disruptive, think about back in grade school, you never got kudos for being disruptive, right? You were always in trouble. I think of us as being supremely talented bridgers, which is basically partnerships, right? Like we're, we're 
paving our way through this industry by creating strategic partnerships with a lot of the great brands and businesses that are out there. A lot of people think healthcare is broken. I don't know if it's fully broken. There are parts that are fractured, but the problem in my opinion really is, I know how we started this conversation is you have a lot of people that think they know how to do everything and they don't. And if we really rallied together, we'd figure it out. And so, you know, it's really easy to take a shot at the fully insured carriers, right? You know, it's a $3 trillion industry that you hear about all their profits and that they're declining claims and all this other stuff. But if you really peel back the onion, all they've ever known is insurance. So all they've ever known is to focus on profit and loss. All they've ever focused on is how do I get more subscribers? And they've let the practitioners like my grandfather and my father handle the customer service. Like you said, you'd call in, say, hey, this is Matt. I don't, Matt, I don't want your, your name. I, I just want your serial number. Well, the, pay, the, the provider doesn't go in there. When you talk to your doctor, he's like, let me get your social. He's like, no, Matt, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Where are things going on? So the insurance companies have let the providers do that. And really how we've done it is said, look, the insurance company can be just like the provider in the sense of being a human being. How is that person doing? What are their needs? What are their expectations? Uh, I, I don't think it's fair to think insurance companies don't want to pay claims, but when you do pay claims, it's coming out of your, your profits. And so maybe it's making the claim more efficient. Maybe it's understanding where you can find areas of opportunity that can create a better continuity of care for the patient and the employee while streamlining profits. You can do both if you're thinking about that patient versus thinking solely about profit. So really for us, we've been able to do that by bridging the gap of all these different great companies and just focusing strictly on the patient and the customer. And when you do that, knowing that, hey, this person's afraid, it's their most important commodity, which is health. If I'm focusing on that experience and then building around it, everything else works. I'll give you an example. Um... You know, I, when I go to the doctor, I get these bills in the mail for $7 from LabCorp. Hmm. Can you just charge me the $7 at the office? Cause like, I have to like, I, I don't pay attention to the first one. I usually lose the second one. And by the time, I mean, so here's the thing is, is the act of that collecting that $7, uh, you know, it's like, it's just not a good experience for me, man. You know, like collected at point of purchase like that drives me nuts because i've got a wife i've got two kids and i i really i get these things all the time and like well i did and then i switched insurance carriers because i was tired of it you know and like <laughs> and so think about that someone lost a family of four at a on what was supposed to be a premium policy we get over a seven dollar you know letter like i mean dude i'll give you seven if you ask me nicely i'll give you seven bucks like, I mean, pretty much in life, you know, but, but at the $7? same time, it's also not worth my time to go chase that down. So you look at some of the things that can depreciate the experience and it's usually not something big. I mean, it's like that annoying shit, you know, it's, I'm going through the same thing. I, I bought my wife a new car and I have tried three different times to set up the auto pay at whoever financed it, you know, or whatever. 
and it's broken every time. And like, I literally, the third time I was like, maybe I'll just refinance the, I'll just sell this loan to someone else so I can actually not have to go do this every month. And, and I'm sitting here looking at the calendar on my laptop as I'm talking about it. I'm going, shit, did I remember to pay that? Cause like, why isn't it? We're in an automated world. People make things fast, make things easy. If you listen to this show a lot, you know, I'm a nut when it comes to onboarding. And, you know, that's, that's like the first part of it. That's everything we're talking about is let, don't make it difficult for people to do business with you and don't make it difficult for people to execute the partnerships as you know it. So now, you know, one of the things and I think this would be kind of fun to talk about is I've really seen in the world of like, you know, pop culture and a lot of stuff, the, the collaboration, which is just a partnership. You see it everywhere, you know, Nike, Adidas, whomever, uh, you know, someone, the, the supreme brand version of this or that, these are partnerships. Those are strategic partnerships. And oftentimes, you know, just lending your brand name or your influence to things can be what it, all it takes to get something done. Now, those are, those are back to examples of excess capacity in some regards, like you've, what else am I going to do with all this? And uh, I mean, when you think of like a kind of an out of the box and not just a, a normal, like we're talking about business to business and everything I just mentioned is business to business, but what are, what are, have you noticed any, an increase in overall collaborations and crossovers in the, just like the world of consumer stuff in the last few years? I think you see a lot of people being able to share information and more information is available to you. So you can encourage that level of collaboration now, you know, we we have faced and are currently facing a global pandemic and, you know, that's kind of created a little more sheltering in people, whereas, you know, you can't go and talk to someone face to face as readily as you used to be, but people are collaborating more through, you know, tools like this or Zoom or, you know, all the different things that are available to you. So I think people in general are probably communicating more on things that are important to them. Now that that can be a blessing, but it can also be a curse. It's much easier to complain and find other people to complain with you than it is to find somebody that's having a great day and someone else comes up and goes, you know what, I'm having an awesome day too. Let's compare notes. So I do think collaboration has increased. I do think people are, are trying to do that more often. Um, and we've shown that we can do it through, you know, virtual medium. Uh, when we started our business, you know, we were just coming into the United States pandemic, right? Like how, how it got here, you know, it was already in uh, Asia and it had started to move this way. And so we had to shut down our expansion in the capacity in which you'd think we would like getting on an airplane, getting in a car, windshield time. Uh, but we were able to reach more customers because we were able to collaborate via this channel or the brokers that are out there that are selling healthcare, we're able to collaborate with them uh, through virtual channels. So here on Startup Hustle, we like to talk about wins, losses, reality. And so I think we would be remiss if we didn't take a few minutes to talk about red flags and things to look out when, you know, things that come up and like, you know, what, what some obvious red flags might be that, or just things that might've have, have turned us off. And, you know, like I said, there's uh, it's not just a, it's not just a sunny day. It can sometimes be a rainy day, which is probably why you should check out a true captive insurance. Isn't that what insurance is for sunny and rainy days? 
That's right. So yeah, so go to truecaptive.com. There's a link in the show notes for that. Now, in regards to red flags for partnerships that you might start, I mean, what we can just bounce them back. Or, I mean, what are what are a couple of things that it's going to either either get you to back away from something or maybe even turn and sprint? Does their focus match what your focus is? That doesn't mean you always have to be singing from the same sheet music because there is value to another perspective. But at the same time, I keep coming back to the patient and employee experience. If you meet a company that says, look, all we want to do is outrun our revenue. Like we just, we just want to make a ton of money. There's nothing wrong with making money. Um, I like making money just as much as the next person, but we don't make money ahead of our customers having good experience. So that's just an easy example where if someone says, look, my only focus is to make money. Okay, well, I need to reevaluate that. Tell me more about that. Like, yeah, you know, we just want a really profitable business. Our focus is our shareholders. Everything else is kind of collateral damage. And I'm using a pretty ridiculous example. I've never met another company that said that to me verbatim. Uh, but that would be a red flag. Or if somebody says, look, uh, we're in a highly regulated area. As you might imagine, health insurance is incredibly regulated. So if you have someone that talks about going beyond the gray area. There's always gray areas in everything. I had a good discussion with our head of sales yesterday. Uh, we had, had taken a road trip and we were talking about the law being black and white. And I said, no, it's not. I said, there's a lot of the law that is interpretive. That's why the lawyers argue both sides. I said, there's some things that are obvious, but you have lawyers that interpret both sides. So, you know, if you think about a company that says, I'm willing to go past my morals or our foundation, um, again, I've never met a company that said they're willing to go beyond the law, but I know of companies that have done that. Those are red flags. So, you know, really finding people that while you may not have the same background, you may not be from the same college or your company may not do the same thing, you at least are aligned in some critical core function of your businesses so that when you do get stressed out, because there's stress in any business, any relationship, any partnership, that when you default back to what you do when you're stressed out, it's still pointed in the right direction versus, okay, rough hit the road, and now I'm going to go the complete opposite direction, and now you're tugging in opposite ways. I think one of the things I'm, I'm looking for is to try to use a little empathy and view my, what I'm providing from their seat. And I say like, we were, you know, we were using like Nike and Adidas and those are mega companies. So if you're like this little tiny brand, like, are you just a drop in the ocean for them? Because, and, you know, and, and Matt Watson and I have talked about this in so many past episodes when it comes to just, you know, these kind of partnerships or, or, uh, you know, just different kinds of like channel marketing. And it's like, is do they care as much as I do? And if you, you know, if you're a tiny company doing uh, business with this megacorp, they probably don't care. Like, like you're really insignificant compared to what, like it's a way bigger deal for them or for you than it is for them. And that's the thing is like, you know, who are you dealing with and, you know, what level of value or interest because in those kind of examples, I mean, if it, their business is going to go on and be just fine and do whatever with or without you, most likely, but you might be de dedicating a significant amount of resources, focus, attention, hope, dreams 
which could later turn into nightmares and sorrow if you want to do that. I mean, I did that early when I founded gigabook.com. I thought we, you know, this is what Matt and I talked about on some other shows. I thought I had a great partnership for us I, up front. And I ended up basically wasting two, month, two months of runway focusing on that. It didn't pan out. It just wasn't, wasn't that great. I learned a hell of a lot from it. And that is the only thing I gained from that partnership. And it was expensive to even do that. So, you know, think about where you're at. I think another thing, I'll bounce this back over to you in a second, David, but I think another thing is, you know, like, well, if we're talking about red flags or churn or like, or, or, you know, whether we're going to run from this is, I mean, it's just straight out character. Like what's the credibility of, of whoever, like, is this an organization, is it an organization, a person or, or a company that, you know, has a reputation for doing what they say they're going to do. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, we're in the, we're in the golden age of, of data and everything. I mean, there is a shocking amount of information and all of it out there that you can go out and find, you know, you can find a lot of information. And then um, does, and, and, you know, with that, does that same company, do they have other strategic partnerships or relationships? And can you talk to someone that, is with one of those companies and just flat out ask them, you know, how's it going? What do they like to work with? Cause a company that wants to do business with you and has that street cred we're talking about, they're going to, they're going to serve that list up. Yeah, sure. Call David, ask him what it's like. To, he, we've been really enjoyed working with true captive and you know, all of that and, and, you know, give him a call, see what he has to say. And, and if you're getting that kind of response, um, uh, that's that. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. But pick up the phone and call. Yeah, empathy is such a great word, and I think it's often lost in transactional relationships. So you brought up that seven dollar bill earlier. That seven dollars could mean a lot to a variety of different people for a variety of different reasons. And you know that person that sent it out, which was probably automated, but somebody did have to key it in you know, thinking about what that does to a, an individual. We had a situation where our son needed to be tested for COVID. Uh, this was last November or maybe the November before, but we get a bill for $250 in the mail. Uh, my first inclination is, is I'm not going to pay the bill because I know it has to go and be processed and adjudicated. So I'm going to wait and let that happen. And then I'll find out exactly what I need to pay. My wife is the pay the bill when it gets there type person. So it sat there for a month and a half and I could see my wife's anxiety getting higher and higher and higher. And she's like, are you going to pay the bill? I said, I'll make a phone call. So I picked up the phone. I called the number on the bill and the, the representative was very pleasant. She said, well, your insurance paid you. And I kind of chuckled. I'm like, I can guarantee you unequivocally the insurance company didn't pay us, but neither here nor there. Um, could you do me a favor and check? So she puts me on hold for four to five minutes. She comes back and says, oh, you're right they actually did pay us. You can disregard that bill. Well, I was appreciative of that, but here's my problem. What if that bill got to somebody's desk that had the person paying the bill, like my wife that gets a bill and pays it, they would have never given that person that money back. That'd have been $250. It could have prevented somebody from putting food on the table, getting to their job, letting their kids go to band camp, whatever it is, a host of different things. But you know, that person could have shown more empathy. The person that sent the bill could have shown more empathy because 
you don't think about things or when claims get declined. I promise you that person wouldn't want their claim being declined. And in some cases, claims have to get declined because they were sent with the wrong code or what have you. But I, I love what you said about empathy, and that goes well beyond healthcare. Um, it, it goes to the central component of strategic partnerships is, again, you made a good point about the sun shining or it being, you know, things going bad. When things go bad, having a little empathy will allow you to see around a corner that you otherwise wouldn't see if you just blew your top and were like, no, nah, this is terrible. This is awful. Matt doesn't care. He's just doing his own thing. Well, maybe Matt's moving into a new building and something went on and Matt, 30 minutes before he got on the phone, Matt was dealing with the electricians that couldn't get the power going. Okay, well, that's something that I can be patient with and let's move on because the partnership otherwise would have been perfect. Yet that moment in time, I had a chance to show empathy or not. So I really like the term empathy and how it plays into just a host and variety of different things. Yeah, I really haven't run into a situation where good communication is is a problem in, in any situation or business. And speaking of good communication, and before we wrap up today's show, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was brought to you by Chatdesk. They help you reduce the number of phone calls coming into your business by over 10% by shifting calls over to Facebook Messenger and other channels. You can get started in just a few minutes and the service is free for a limited time. Be sure to check it out at chatdesk.com forward slash shift. That's chatdesk.com. There is a link in the show notes. I like to end my episodes startup hustle with what I call the founders freestyle and give my guests a chance to kind of freestyle about what they, what their major takeaways were, maybe best advice or any of that. So I'm going to, I'm buying you time right now, David, while you think of what you, how you want to close out your, uh, your episode. And thanks for joining me today. But uh, what would you like to say, sum up, or uh, what did we possibly not mention? You know, I think for me, when I'm thinking about our business and healthcare, obviously I'm biased, but strategic partnerships go in just about every walk of life, whether you're a teenager in high school, whether you're in college, where you have that first job that you're working at a Mexican restaurant and you're running things back and forth and it's busy, um, or you're lucky enough to you know, run a department or a business, it's always good to just think about all the things that are going on around you. Um, because there are a host of different things that you probably haven't considered to create more efficiency in whatever you're doing and likely decrease some of the frustration that you have. There's not a person in business or in this world can say that they're free of frustration or they're free of, of aggravation. But oftentimes, if you give yourself a, a moment, um, you can find a more efficient way through things and therefore you can be happier. My time in HR has created uh, a little bit of a tree hugger in me. I do very much care about people and I do care about, uh, very much about what we do as a business. Um, and so remembering how important our partners are and the things that our partners have enabled us to do and find such great success, um, it's not lost on me. And I, I probably could say thank you every single day and that wouldn't go far enough. But strategic partnerships, I think, is a, is a great thing to focus on, one that's helped us. Uh, exceed our goals and we're excited about continuing to create more partnerships as time goes on once again with me today I have D david Voorhees, founder and ceo of true captive insurance you can go to truecaptive.com there is a link in the show notes for that uh, for my freestyle i'm gonna you know there's something that i i didn't mention that i think is important and that's that you're probably not going to have a lot of strategic partnerships if you don't go out and look for them 
get to have a lot of conversations with people. Um, while some may find their way to you, um, that's usually not how it works. It's usually two people talking about getting to know each other and realize that they both have something, both businesses have something that they can add or provide to the other. And I mean, for us, that's involved just a ton of conversations about a lot of different stuff. And sometimes they pan out and sometimes they don't. But, you know, I, I think if you're not out there looking, if you're not out there trying, if you're not uh, attempting to be creative, you probably aren't going to have a whole lot of strategic partnerships. Um, you know, and then the, the last thing is, you know, as I mentioned, we have a full-time person that's a director of strategic partnerships. Why? Because I got a lot of stuff going on, man. And so does some of the other people too. So if I'm going to create a partnership with you, I want to make sure that we're going to, you know, they say what gets measured gets done. So, you know, you want to send, be able to follow up and, and communicate. And, you know, that has a lot to do with why we have that position at our company. And um, it's because I'm not going to agree to something and then look like a clown for not delivering or, or, you know, perhaps not suck the bandwidth out of everything else I need to do for something else either. So, you know, make sure that you're ready for the partnership, make sure that you want to be in it, make sure that the other person wants to be in it as well and then get to work. It's about all I got to say, man. So let me go ahead and end the show and I'll catch up with you down the road, David. Sounds good. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.